Hello, good morning. Welcome to Straight Arrows. I'm your host, Pastor Woody Whit of Memorial Baptist Church in Maysville, North Carolina. Our episode today is a rather um, unusual one, but the title is Luke, Jim, and Frodo, Christianity Confronts Pop Culture. Our text for today is Acts chapter 17, verses 16 to verse 32. And let us pray for just a moment. Father, in the holy name of Jesus, we ask you to please forgive us of our sins, cleanse us by the blood of Jesus, and guide us by the Holy Spirit. Lord, open your word to your your holy Bible today, O God. In Jesus' name, amen. The Holy Spirit brings us today to a familiar text of Scripture, We have the Apostle Paul waiting in Athens for some friends, and while he waits, he begins to walk about uh, the area of Athens, Uh, and Athens was the religious and artistic and intellectual center of the Hellenized Roman world, and verses 16 to 21 read, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him, and when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry, Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him. And some said, what will this babbler say? Others some. He seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods because he had preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him into the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speaketh is, for thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear something new. That's God's word, Acts chapter 17, verses 16 and 21. Now today, you and I live in an increasingly neo-pagan culture dominated by pop culture. The predominant structural philosophy of our times is secular humanism. However, people are influenced in their interior lives by the pop culture. Let me clarify that, that on the outside, externally, we are pressed into a secular humanist mold, which means specifically we must passively accept the tenets of secular humanism. Secular humanism is defined as and I quote, a philosophy that embraces human reason, secular ethics, while specifically rejecting religious dogma and superstitions as the basis of morality or decision-making, end of quote. According to LaHaye and Noble, secular humanism has five pillars, atheism, evolution, amorality, human autonomy, and globalism. Inside of us, however, we may hold to values, beliefs, etc., which may or not run counter to the predominant structural philosophy of our time. Our morals and others uh, then might be different. But let's hold that thought for just a moment. In our text, Paul is addressing adherence to the key philosopher systems of his day who are not satisfied with the religious beliefs of those who erected temples and other forms of idolatry all around him. In other words, Paul is addressing people whose personal convictions are in contrast, even in conflict with what they are supposed to believe in their society. 
The Christian today, that's you and I, are in a similar situation. Contemporary people are caught between what they are supposed to believe publicly and what they believe privately. This conundrum exists both for the Christians and unbelievers. However, most believers are able to reconcile or accommodate each other so as not to create mental confusion as the two coexist. Christians, however, are in a real bind. But what to do with this, I will come to shortly. Meanwhile, we want to look at how pop culture informs the psyche of the unbeliever and either helps them either to ex either to accept, reject, or accommodate outside modes of thought and behavior into the inside, internal aspect of the person. In the interest of time and for sake of clarity, we are primarily looking at the literary cinematic aspect of pop culture and the examples I'll be citing are just samples of how pop culture, that is literary cinematic aspects uh, of pop culture, enforces and reinforces a collective morality and ethics. Brothers and sisters, let's begin with this. People love a good story, sometimes a long story, which makes us think and challenges us to examine the characters and figure out the plot. Sometimes we like a short, sto pithy story with a quick moral punch which lingers in our consciousness for hours. Ancient peoples, our ancestors, developed a wide range of stories, not merely to amuse themselves as they huddled in shelters to stay warm or dry, but to teach these concepts, those concepts they considered in their time and place, to be virtuous. A hunter-gatherer people would recall stories of famous hunters. A warrior society would extol the prowess of warriorhood. In preliterate times, their stories were preserved in oral traditions and passed down generationally from family to family and to tribe. In this way, the stories crystallized and reinforced the values of society. Bear in mind that much of these stories contributed to all who were molded by religious beliefs. Since these stories originated within the minds or real experiences of people, there was not a need to separate what was true and false in the narratives. What was important was the underlying morality or others communicated from the story. In other words, what was essential in the story was passed down from person to person, family and family into the tribe, into the community. Okay. Now, in our Western civilization, proper, properly beginning with the Greeks, the Iliad and the Odyssey by the blind poet Homer were the most widely circulated works of ancient literature and formed the core of what can safely be called ancient pop culture. Greek and later Roman youths were taught their morals and ethics, which were found uh, in the virtues of the protagonists and antagonists in these works. In other words, for centuries, men of noble birth wanted to be the warrior Achilles or other heroes in the story. Before and after the decline of Rome in the West, the pagans of Europe amused, amused and instructed themselves from myths and legends preserved orally in folktales. As Christianity spread the people among them, um, among them preliterate peoples, the stories of the Bible were interpreted and given to the people orally in church since only the most educated could read the Latin Bible. But even with the Bible read in public, the public inauguration, uh, I'm sorry, public imagination, was still shaped and inspired by folk tales and local legend in most regions of Europe 
Christianity and paganism were unconsciously blended together. People were outwardly Christian in much of the public life, but inwardly they, they, hold, they held to pagan concepts. As the Middle Ages peaked, the Arthurian legends in the British Isles influenced the next thousand years of morality, and Athens uh, and had become a part of the shared culture. It really wasn't until 1455 that the Bible could be made accessible to the public. But guess what? The people, the Bible was in Latin and few people could read it. This started a revolution to standardize the local vernacular languages and to translate the Bible into the language of the people. As a result, a reading public was born. One thing led to another as a result of going from a preliterate to a literate society, the scientific revolution exploded in the West. Accessibility to the Bible generated the reformation of the church, and time does not permit an explanation of all of that. But despite the reformation of the church, now please follow me very uh, closely, brothers and sisters. Despite the reformation of the church and the revival of biblical literacy, the public pagan folklore and legend still had a collective hold on the consciousness of the people. Why? Because we have an insatiable desire uh, or appetite, I should say, for good stories. And so for the reason we as Christians need to be aware of the stories that are the most predominant today and impact or inspire the way that majority of the people think about life. So we're looking then here uh, at pop culture and how pop culture um, inculcates or teaches our society what to value, what is considered virtuous. So let's talk about that, pop culture. What I'm going to give three examples of pop cultural phenomena, and then we'll talk about what these three have in common. I hope that you have stayed with me so far. we got a little bit ways to go here. In fact, you know what we're going to do? We're going to close now, so I'll be able to slow down a little bit and talk about this in depth in the next episode. So hang tight, and we'll be back in just a moment. Father, bless those that have tuned in today. Please help us understand the significance of pop culture and understanding pop culture if we are to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.